0: So, Does Skidmer Rig live up to the hype? Mm, let's get into it. This is another episode of Midnight Social Distortion. Attention. Attention. Do not be disturbed. You are now leaving reality and entering Midnight Social Distortion. This is Mark again with another episode of Midnight Social Distortion. Um, This is the second episode, I promise you, this week. I wanted to go ahead and get this out the way because while the movie was still fresh in my mind and I didn't have to go do another rewatch, you might say this being very lazy, but for me, it's very... Uh, I don't know, uh, not time consuming, but it's just, I could be watching something else that's on my plate because my plate runneth over with movies I need to catch up on. And on top of that, there's stuff I want to do. I want to read a little bit. Um, I want to do some writing. I want to exp- um, enjoy myself during my birthday month. Yes. If you are listening to this, hopefully on Wednesday, May the 3rd, this will be my 40th year on this planet. Yes, 40, 40. I am not I I mean most people are like, you know, it's it's a blessing. I mean, most people everybody says it's a blessing to reach your 40th. For me, it's a blessing, but it's like I feel like I haven't accomplished a lot that I would love to have had before the age of 40. There's a lot of stuff that I wish I had done before I was 40, like maybe in my Twenties late thirties early thirties um but hey, you know you get to your path and when you get to your location, your goals on your own particular path, but it seems like yesterday I was sitting at home watching you know um horror movies on my couch while my parents were at work or doing whatever, and my sister was in the other room talking on the phone, and I was just chilling in my room because I had a couch in my room. I was chilling in my room watching horror movies and whatnot and you know, either reading or yeah, playing my action figures. Um, now I'm 40 with gray hair is popping in in my beard in my head, you know, and it's just bewildering. Um, time is fleeting. It really is. And sometimes you just got to stop and take it all in. Whatever Ferris Bueller said, um, but that's what I plan on doing this month um, when this episode comes out. So because it's the thirtieth now as I record, but in what an hour in thirteen minutes it'll be May. So yeah, this will be my birthday month. So the first twenty-three days—well, no, not the first twenty-three days. Well, the first twenty-three days will be moments of reflection on top of other stuff I'll be doing, and then when the fortieth actually hits—not you know when my the twenty-third hits. From that moment on until next year on the twenty third, it's gonna be a year long celebration. I'm not gonna be like I'm. I am want to make sure everything's done on my birthday, no, it's a year long celebration. If I don't get it done in May, I get it done in um July or you know whatever. Um, the one big thing I do plan on doing this year, if uh, if anything, is um making sure that I go see Depeche Mode live in Nashville. That's a, they never come to Nashville. I don't think they ever toured in Nashville. If they did beforehand, I was probably like in Brownsville with no, um, knowledge of them coming to Tennessee whatsoever. But now that I'm an adult, I do want to see them live. Um, even though, cause this might be their last tour and I, i've only been to one concert my entire life and that was the kanye west um i don't know if it was the um college dropout or if it was the um late no it was the late registration tour so that's the only concert i've ever been to in my entire life so to honor my brother's memory i am going to do what he wanted me to do which was live my life and um, with no regrets and no fear. So I will be doing that this year for my 40th. This 40th anniversary is dedicated to his life and his memory um, and to things to come. So without all that get it out of the way, if you listen to the previous episode, which was a review of Evil Dead Rise, um, you heard the hard news for the week that I put up and you got a few cases from the Black and Missing Foundation. Um, and I might add a couple of more um to this episode, or rather a couple more missing people um bulletins, but I'm just gonna skip other news and just get right into Skinamarink, which um I heard a lot of things about I wanna say the early rumbling for skinner ring started with, um, probably like late last year, you know, um, I think people were talking about it and I guess people were getting screeners or they were getting, um, like going to, um, film festivals and seeing it. And then as it got closer to its release on shutter, like the, um, hype got higher and higher. It's like kept rising and, um, the word of mouth kept rising and, uh, people were telling me that you can find it on YouTube. And then I went on YouTube and couldn't find it. Cause by the time it started um, picking up steam, the probably the studio and the director just pulled it off of YouTube. Um, uh, because especially when they got interested to like, you know, film festivals and whatnot. Uh, one of the film festivals was, um, the Fantasia film festival in Montreal back in July of last year. Um, And you know, I've like I said, I've heard things about it, but it was like it wasn't until it got to the premiere. There was getting the premiere on Shutter when it was like a lot of the the acclaim started to get to a very rousing level. Um, I remember the night it premiered. That was the night my brother had his accident. So this is another movie that kind of pushed off because of all the shit surrounding it, dealing with my brother. Um it premiered the night my brother had his accident. And of course I didn't think of any other movie, you know, at that time. I wasn't thinking of any movies, period, at that time. So I was just like, I'll watch when I watch it. Um and I had just I think the last thing I saw before that was Megan. And I don't think I did a review for Megan. I probably need to. Anyway, um uh, Skillerink. You know, I'm gonna go to my old trusty Wikipedia here. And breakdown with the breakdown, um, written directed by Kyle Edward Ball, based on his short called Heck, um, starring Lucas Paul, Dolly Rose, Tatro, I think that's how you pronounce it, Ro- Ross Paul, and Jamie Hill. This is a Canadian production. It uh, has a running time of one hundred minutes, and the budget was fifteen thousand. But it made back two point one million, so I would say it did. It did. It 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 did what needed to be done in terms of making cash for the studios, and I'm trying to figure out what IFC Midnight picked it up. So, um, yeah. But um, as far as that, I remember as Skinner rink was coming out, there was also the the um word of mouth about the Outwaters. And I was hearing more about Skinner Marine than I was the Outwaters. And I didn't hear more about the Outwaters until it really landed on Screen box. And by this time, the fog of grief had like dissipated a little bit. And I was like, well, I guess I can go ahead and um, check and see what these are about. But I kept pushing it off. And then, like I said, in my episode for the Outwaters experience, I said that Tyrone Williams from The Evil Tyrone mentioned that there was two people, there, you, you, there was two people that was either folks that like Skinmarink or folks that like the Outwaters. Or, as he also put it, either you liked one or you didn't like the other one, whichever one. So I was like, okay, that's going to be my idea for, um the next episode I do just go ahead and knock both of those out and see which one is either worse or which one is better than the other one. And it was going to be an episode that featured both of them, a comparison episode. But when I got on screen box to watch the outwaters, I noticed that they had, you know, file, um, L file, VL six, two, four and card zero, which, you know, um, which were a part of the outwaters. So I was like, I'm just going to turn it into one episode and just give skin its full due. Now I did watch all four movies in one night. You know, the outwaters is two offshoots and skin And I felt like maybe it was the atmosphere of being about three o'clock in the morning, you know, the witching hour when shit just is, can anything can happen? But I felt more um, I don't want to say scared, but I was more chilled by Skinamar Rink than I was the Outwaters. Uh, I felt like Rink did a whole lot more. Um to I could let's just say like this, I could follow it a whole lot better than I could the Outwaters, even though both of them have big patches of nothing happening and you're trying to guess what's going on and that can get old real quickly especially if there's no dialogue but the one thing about film that i learned when i was in um, college is that the better the, the film that takes risks and experiments with like genre and you know camera angles and moving um you know Atmosphere and tension are the ones that tend to stick out the most, even if they're good or bad, you know. So um and I felt like Skinner Rink stuck out way better than the Outwaters did. Um only because the Outwaters gave us five characters and they built those characters up and then once the shit hits the fan, all that characterization and character building went out the window. And there was not any payoff for it, um, because you got knocked down to like one, because only one person had a camera, and you were beholden to everything that that one person was seeing and doing. So if anything happened, like I said, when shit hit the fan on the Outwaters, you were only like keeping up with one character. You're not. You kind of got an. You got an idea what happened to the other four, or the other three. Excuse me, wasn't five. The other um, three. And you kind of, you know, was at, you know, the mercy of whatever the main character Robbie was seeing. And it was a situation, like I said, in the, at that episode where everybody around the main character were more interesting and had more interesting things going on about them than he did. And that was, you know, a big takeaway. Now, as far as characterization and skin on rink, it would kind of be like pulling long in the tooth to say there was characterization in skin of a ring because there's not any however the situation at hand in front of you two kids waking up in the middle of the night realizing that their dad is gone and that all the windows and doors have disappeared to me that's enough to figure out like how they're gonna get out of the situation and um that's a concept I'm pretty sure it's been done before. If not, then kudos to, uh, um, David, uh, Mr. Ball here. What's his name? Kyle Everett Ball. Kudos to him for taking something and making it like, you know, surreal and very nightmare fuel. Um, but yeah. Um, so let's just read what, uh, Wikipedia has for the plot um in 1995 four-year-old kevin injures himself in what his six-year-old sister kaylee says is a sleepwalking episode kevin is then taken to a hospital and brought back home the father calls someone and tells him that the hospital did not need to give stitches and he only hit his head Sometime later, the two siblings wake up in the middle of the night to find that their father has seemingly disappeared and that the windows, doors and other objects in their house are gradually vanishing as well. Now, all of this uh, is seen through like shadows. You know, you, you never get a full glimpse of the kids faces. And I think that was Either a creative move by itself or a creative move, and the um, maybe they didn't want to do like child labor laws or whatnot. You know, I don't know, it might be a combination of both, but it seemed like it was a creative choice because you did not know how anybody in this movie looked, not even the parents. So, I think it was a creative choice. So, when you hear little kevin fall you just hear him crying off to the like off off uh camera and there is not any like security system up recording everybody it's just you know weird camera placements that are very off now, i would say off-putting that's the wrong word to use for it, but just um um they're very, they, they make you very uneasy is where I'm looking for. I, I, I heard the other word at the tip of my tongue, but it, it was just an uneasy feeling seeing all this stuff and just picking up on audio cues and whatnot about what's going on off camera. Kevin suggests they sleep downstairs where they watch cartoons on the television. They awaken to find the house still dark. They hear an unexplained thumping noise and find a chair standing upside down on the ceiling. Kevin asks Kaylee where she thinks their father is, to which she replies that she does not know. Kevin then suggests that maybe he went with Mom, to which Kaylee replies, "I don't want to talk about Mom." Now there was a lot of um stuff that you just really had to pay close attention to, like a nightlight being on, picked, um, video of. Toys on the floor, mainly Legos, like at the door or whatnot. And I kind of thought that maybe the Legos were put there to trap somebody because if anybody who has had Legos as a kid or even as an adult who have kids that have Legos know when you step on the motherfuckers, I mean, you go down. I don't if especially if you're barefoot, but if you got shoes on or something, you might not. Of course, you don't injure yourself, but you might slip on them. You know, so I thought that's what was going on, like he was building a trap or something, but you kind of like don't get an idea of whose room is whose if Kaylee and Kevin shared a room or if he went into Kaylee's room and woke her up or whatnot. It's just, you know, you get a hallway with the light in it and then one of the kids room, I believe it's Kevin has a nightlight in it, but mostly everything is shrouded in darkness except for the living room TV, which is playing, uh, I want to say, um, what's it called? You know, like those um, not, you know, like Free Commons um, cartoons that does not really have any um, copyright on them. It's just like playing over and over again. I think they're playing on VHSs and stuff. Um, And the fact about the mother, you don't know exactly why Kaylee says, I don't want to talk about mom because they don't never say that the father is talking to somebody um when the father's talking to the person on the phone you don't see his face you just hear his voice it's kind of muffled but you can make out that he's talking about kevin in the stitches but you don't know if he's talking to the kid's mother or not you just know he's talking to somebody one would assume that he was talking to the kid's mother because who else would you be calling at the middle of the night to tell them about the kids and whatnot but for kayla to be like i don't want to talk about mom Makes it seem like either the mom is not in the picture anymore or she is possibly dead. So I don't know. It's still a mystery to me as I'm reading this, even though this is the Wikipedia um, official account of what, of events in the movie. So um, Kevin shows Kaylee that the toilet in the downstairs bathroom has disappeared. Kaylee accompanies Kevin to the upstairs bathroom. She sees a doll on the bedroom ceiling. And Kevin returns to tell her that he is too frightened to use the toilet. They decide to take two buckets in the downstairs bathroom. A mysterious voice calls to Kaylee from the darkness, telling her to come upstairs. Now that was when I first got my first, you know, like chill down my spine. Um, because if you've been a kid and you've been in the room, maybe half sleep and you hear that deep voice or something like that. You know that either you have sleep or you really think there's a fucking monster or something in your closet or in your house. Period. So, I've experienced that before, hearing a dark, a deep voice calling for me or something like that. And you know, probably was actually sleep. Um, but so, Kaylee heads upstairs while Kevin remains downstairs. In a bedroom, she sees their father, who tells her to look under the bed. She does so, but does not see anything. She then sees their mother sitting on the opposite side of the bed. Her mother tells Kaylee that they love her and Kevin and instructs her to close her eyes before vanishing. She then looks at the pitch black open closet and hears her mother say, there's someone here. From the closet, she hears her mother calling out her name as well as moans of pain and breaking of bones. Kaylee returns downstairs and Kevin asks her what happened only for her to respond with asking Kevin to help move the couch. Kaylee and Kevin then push the couch to block off the hallway from which the voice was calling to her. Kevin falls asleep and the voice calls to Kaylee again. When Kevin wakes up, he calls out for her twice, but she does not reply. Lego bricks and VHS tapes and other toys and objects are suspended against a wall. The voice calls to Kevin, beckoning him into the basement where he sees Kaylee who, who no longer has eyes or a mouth. After he returns upstairs, Kevin hears the mysterious voice calling to him again, telling him that it wants to play as some of the ki- as some of the toys in the house begin to disappear. A drawer opens in the kitchen and Kevin complies with the voice's command that he insert a knife into one of his eyes. Kevin picks up a telephone and calls 911. He whispers to the operator that he was cut with a knife and that he feels sick. The operator tells him to stay on the line and that adults will be on their way to help. The operator then asks why he is whispering if there's someone else in the room with him and where he is in the house. Kevin says that he is downstairs and that the doors have disappeared before dropping the phone. The phone turns into a chatter phone telephone toy and the voice call claims responsibility for doing it, So telling Kevin that it can do anything. It says that Kaylee did not do as it told her. She said that she wanted her parents. So it took away her mouth. It tells Kevin to come upstairs and he obeys. Holding a flashlight, he finds himself on the ceiling. He walks into a bedroom, which becomes a void. 572 days later, a pile of toys sit in a seemingly endless hallway and is p- pulled back into the home. Kaylee is seen sitting on the side of a bed and her head slowly fades away, followed by the rest of her body. Follows of what appear to be Kevin and Kaylee's family are shown, except their faces are either missing or distorted. Kevin cries out as blood splatters on the floor, then disappears and spatters repeatedly. And Kaylee cries out to her mother. Kevin asks if he can watch something happy. A door opens in the darkness and later an an indistinct face. The face tells Kevin to go to sleep. Kevin asks for his name and is met with silence. So that was Skidlerink. And even though reading all of that, it still does not make any sense to me. However, um, there were certain moments in the movie that actually had me like, like, you know, freaked out. Mainly the scene where Kaylee goes up to the bedroom where her parents are at. And, Cause you can't see their faces and him saying to look up under the bed. Cause you thinking like, Oh shit, something's going to jump out and scare the shit out of you on a jump scare tip, but she looks up under the bed. She doesn't see anything. Then when she comes back up, the father's gone and the mother's on the other side of the bed. And the mother says her things, you know, like, um, we love you and close your eyes and all this stuff. And then she vanishes. But then it's just like all this weird stuff is going on, but it, it seemed like it affects Kaylee a whole lot more. And I think that's because she's six and it has more of a sense of like when things are like askew, which is why she asked Kevin to help her move the couch against the um, hallway because the cat the hallway with the couch blocking the hallway, whatever um, she thinks is coming after them cannot come unless it jumps over the couch, which you know would alert them to you know move. But whatever this creature is, whatever this, um, what they call them things, paralysis demons or whatever you want to call them, whatever this is, is inside the house. You don't get an idea of what it is. And it's up to the viewers discretion to fill in the void of what is actually inside the house. You can sit there and think of anything that pops to your mind, but you just don't get what, you don't get any answers. And that could be equally frightening, and frustrating. Um, especially if you're sitting for an uh let me see a hundred minutes, that's what an hour and forty minutes, and there's nothing happening. And so um you no, know, it's an hour and thirty minutes, excuse me. So there's nothing happening in big spurts of time, and when something actually happens, it's like if you blink, you might miss something. That's how quick it is. And yeah, I, it, it, I'll be honest. It, it, um, unsettled me a lot in some aspects, especially when the creature or the voice um, demanded that Kevin puts the knife in his eye and after telling him that you know i don't know if he told him before then or afterwards no he didn't um but knowing that kaylee followed the instructions all the way till you know she was like i want my mom and dad and then you just didn't see her no more it was all about kevin and so you know that this thing meant business and yeah it was just frightening it was truly terrifying um but the thought of being a six-year-old or a three-year-old kid hell you can even push it up to 10 and you being home alone and all the strange shit is happening that's an unsettling um uh, what they call it inciting incident you know because you don't get to see anything that's going on outside you don't know if there's like a vortex swirling outside and they're just trapped in it, you just know that, that windows and doors that were where they were supposed to be are disappearing. They fucking took the toilet and I'm like, damn, you just that petty. You're going to take the toilet and have the kids piss and shit in a, in a bucket. And they have no idea of when it's going to be light out, not light outside. I, I sound like a kid when like Dawn is going to break or, you know, any of that because everything's missing and you're just beholden to The, um, camera, wherever it decides to set itself up and and show you, um, what's going on, but not really showing you what's going on. Like creepy images of like the doll on the ceiling, the VHS tapes and stuff on the wall. All of a sudden the, um, chatter telephone just sitting there in the, um, blue and greenish dark, you know, just, you know, went from being an actual telephone to just that. And those chatter phones have a, just, they just have a, a history and horror of being just, you know, uncharacteristically creepy, you know, because, you know, Carolyn had one in para, uh, uh, Poltergeist 2. Um, I'm trying to think of another movie that had it in, but I just know that when I see that phone, the only thing I think of at first was Poltergeist 2, the other side. And now I think of Skinner Marink. Um, but as far as, um, the comparison between it and the Outwaters, I can see why people say you would like one and not like the other. Uh, cause there's some people who truly did not care for, um, the Outwaters and actually like Skinner Marink and vice versa. And then there's people who liked both of them. And then there's people who hated both of them. Um, I think I touched on this in the Outwaters episode. I feel like both movies are victims to overhype because you get this word of mouth from all the top critics and whatnot, top horror critics and, you know, film um people not film people but film critics in general and whatnot and you like okay this is one to look out for and then the whole word of mouth thing um where people was looking for it on tiktok and um twitter and instagram not instagram but um youtube and you know just trying to figure out the lore of what's going on like this we love a good uh success story when it comes to a found footage horror movie or a good horror film that like has a lot of buzz outside of those film festivals. You know, I'm thinking back to when The Blair Witch Project came out in 1999 and how um, everybody was just all Blair Witch fever. It was everywhere. And I feel like it's something The Blair Witch Project came out today. It probably would still get a lot of accolades and a lot of praise and maybe critical buzz amongst, you know, horror fans and whatnot but I don't think it would be as hyped as was back in 1999. Um, because you didn't have the internet, you had the internet, but you did not have um, DSL or fiber or anything like that. You were at the behest of whatever dial of speeds you had. And so you weren't, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You You weren't hammered with like promotional material, Or, you know, social media and all this stuff. It was just chat rooms and the commercials on, you know, network television. And then, like, I think they did a couple of sci-fi channel specials on it that helped expand the um, mythology. Then they did something for Showtime. And, you know, um, it was just like, oh, my God, when this movie finally gets to VHS, I cannot wait to see it. And... I feel that once people who are like, who love to be scared and they like to be scared by, you know, some big ugly creature jumped out the woods and chasing after the filmmakers and stuff, or that's what they were expecting. And they just got like a lot of camera movements and screaming and running and, you know, they never saw anything and they were like, what the fuck is this? This movie is not good. It's horrible. And how did it get all this acclaim and how did everybody buy to the hype of it? Look, the damn stars of the movie are appearing on Letterman at night. You know, it's just because a lot of people actually believe that the, um, that the um, stars of the movie disappeared and that this is actually true. I think that's what made it so popular in a time where you didn't have access to Google on a like at the tip of your fingers and you were just caught up in the mystery and you can't replicate that or that um, atmosphere or the zeitgeist in today's time where everything is recorded, Google's at your fingertips. Um, It takes nothing but a quick search to just know, Oh, this is about this, this and that. And, you know, you can look up a missing person case. You can sit there and find files about or news stories about something happening in whatever town a found footage film is found in. You can't do that type of promotion with, uh, um, like the Blair Witch did. And I know people try to mimic that at times, but it's hard to do when found footage is now um popular subgenre of horror. Um... But with Skin of Marink and his story of, you know, it was like a YouTube video, maybe some type of um, like, you know, from what I saw on, on Wikipedia again, they said that um the director, um Kyle Elward Bale, what he did was he, you know, did Heck, which is a short film he did in 2020, he ran a YouTube channel and he would upload videos based on nightmares account we count about commenters um and so then he uploaded the he did the he shot the film took it to Montreal for Fantasia Fest and you know it landed on by because of a, because of a mistake it leaked online and it landed on TikTok and Reddit um, youtube and stuff like that and so people were like you know oh shit this is this is something fresh this is something new but you know you have those people who can appreciate film um how can i put it they can uh, appreciate when uh, experimental film um because if anything skin of rink is at best an experiment experimental film that is not um that throws all the tropes out the window it's just it makes the audience work for the scare and you know can you make out a face in that in that void in that room can you make out uh what the creature looks like you know the person next to you is probably imagining a totally different creature than what you're imagining when you're sitting in the theater watching it. And then you have to factor in the fact that when you go to these film festivals, they have like these great sound systems. I don't know. I haven't been to one yet, but I'm assuming that you go into like a major film festival that they will have like the best sound to, uh, you know, complement the movie because, you know, sound is a big part of watching film, you know, for some people. So when you have like a booming voice coming in in a darkened theater with no distractions, no cell phones, no t- TV um, or clocks flickering or you know somebody walking in out the bathroom or walking in out another room, you're just it's just you, a few hundred people in the theater and the screen and then the the, the, the Dolby or whatever and that can enhance the scares because the one of the things about the Blair Witch Project when I first saw it was I watched it on VHS and I set the ambiance to the point where everything in the living room was black. All the lights were off. The kitchen light was off, which we usually used um left on as a nightlight for us to see through the hallways and stuff at our house. Um, the kitchen light was off. The living room lights were off. Everything was off. And I had my dad's sound system up at a decent level and they were out at an event and it was just me at home by myself while my sister was asleep in another room. And that's how I experienced the Blair Witch Project. So I could hear the, the, um, the crushing of the leaves beneath the filmmaker's feet, you know, the breaking of twigs and, you know, the crickets. And then when everything got eerily silent you know, you just kind of like realized that, yeah, you're in a, like the, um, the danger zone, you know, of whatever's going on in the film. Now with skin of my rink, I did have the TV turned up to a decent level, but by being in the middle of the night and I was visiting my parents that week, as I watched it, I made sure to not have the TV up too loud, but there was a lot of bass in the, um, sound. So when that booming voice came in, it was like still creepy. Um, and you know, it did, what it had to be, it did what needed to be done in that aspect. So I can imagine why a lot of people um, championed the movie when they went to the um, film festival because they had all the right, you know, trappings to just be fully engrossed with what's going on on the screen. Now, if you're at home in your skivvies or in your pajamas and you're just trying to get into the movie and it's really late at night and you might. Be um tired from the work day This is not a movie that you want to put on before you get ready to go to bed. Um, this is one of those movies that you, um, I'm not saying you should have seen, but it probably would have been better received for you if you were at a festival. And then again, you might have been in the festival and was probably checking your watch every five minutes or something to sit there and see if something was going to happen because it just did not grab you from that you know from from the first frame. That's okay too. But I'm just saying that there's a lot of factors that can be um argued why certain people didn't like it and why certain people loved it and why it got all the praise on the film circuit, the film festival circuit, and then as it trickled down to shutter, um, you know, just a regular TV, you don't have to worry about it being in 4K and clear because it's a grainy VHS type video because it says it's 1995. I can't recall where it actually said that it in the film. Maybe it was on the calendar or something. Maybe the phone gave it away to people because that phone was a house phone, and you know I don't think too many houses have those anymore. Um, so, but once you get past all of that, you know, um like I said, the TV. Um, you, you got you got the fuzzy um, VHS feel of it and then you are on your 4K TV, maybe sitting on your couch at home with the lights out and your phone is there. You know, you can pick up your phone. You're in your privacy of your home. You can pick up your phone and look at it and then might get interested in the drama that's going on on Instagram or on the on the blog, as they say or on Facebook or on Twitter. And then you look up and you probably miss a key factor of what was going on in the movie. And then you kind of completely lost. It is easy to do that with this movie. Um, I made sure to put my phone down while I was watching it. I didn't you know, play any mobile games because I knew that I had to, it was going to be one of those movies that you had to pay close attention to. And I think that's with any found for this film. Um, you can't just put it on and, um, have it on like in the background as you do other shit. If you're going to go into a found footage film or a film of this caliber, um, you need to give it your full attention. And I can understand if some people were not willing to do that. Um, like, you know, there's some people who want the, I'm not going to say like, it's some people who want the movie to explain everything to them because there, is, there, there, is, there, there is, um, there are people like that. However, I do know a lot of my friends and um, colleagues and stuff. It just, the movie just in um pop for them and I can understand 100% why. And I feel like the reason it only pop for me because I just have that fear of waking up and then shit just being weird. Cause I always wake up in the middle of the night and I can just feel like, you know, that witching hour, um, the power of the witching hour, just fucking with you in the middle of the night, you know, whether it's, you can hear something outside your window or whether you think you hear something crawling in your room or whether you sit there and you think that you hear, um, voices, even though it could be your neighbors, not nine, nine times or 10 your neighbors, but the fact that you can hear them, that clearly is kind of unsettling because then you're like, if they can, if you can hear them, they can hear you. And so, um, all this stuff factory into it. Um, But yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed the movie. Um, I can see where the hype comes from, but I can also see where the hype wears off. Cause like I, I was, a few minutes ago I was trying to get to the point you got to, when you are in this uh, film festival circuit and you get all these people giving it a claim and then you get down to shutter streaming service, and you're at home and I can see if people were like, this got a lot of buzz. This was blowing up on Dread Central and bloody disgusting and all of the hard Twitter. Like this is what everybody's talking about right now. And you being completely over it real quickly. Um, I can understand that. And I'm not going to, I know um, in the last episode I said, do we really want, um, New fresh takes on on horror. I feel like that argument doesn't apply here because this is an original movie. This is not based on previous IP or established IP. And this is this is uh either you take it or leave it type film. uh Pretty much like the Blair Witch Project was um and other found footage films that you know you might can get one good viewing out of them. But as far as you constantly going back to them to you know. Um, just to relive that experience it's kind of like you know it depends on the film how well it was shot how well the um uh, effects um were affecting you know you um and you know just like for instance when a, a repeat of a, a rewatch a found footage rewatch for me would probably be like the parent Paranormal Activity the Marked Ones or uh one of the VHS segments you know or um I'm trying to figure out another one the Diary of the Dead um, movie because it's not it's it's not just you know like everything's based on atmosphere you know and it's just you are going into it with character growth with story with stuff actually happening within the time frame of the film and there's not a big bunch of nothing happening between certain aspects like things disappearing. At the blink of an eye or um a creature scuttering somewhere and the only thing you can make out is part of his body or just um flash cuts and stuff like that um yeah it it i mean there's a few movies for me that are rewatch, a few found footage horror movies for me that are rewatchable maybe the taking of deborah logan is one good one um you know stuff where stuff actually happens in them consistently consistently happening and i you know like i said if i had to tell you to watch one of the other i would tell you to watch skin of the rink just to say that you saw it just to mark it off your list of movies to see this year um so you can have a full grasp of like okay you know i can comment on this movie because i saw it um I would say watch the Outwaters um, when you have time to just sit there and be like, well, that was a fucked up experience. I would also advise that you don't drink or smoke or do any type of drugs while you're watching the Outwaters or even skin them a rink because you don't want to just like, you know, really go on a bad trip. So I just suggest you, you know, go into it with a clear head. Although you might reach for some of that shit mid middle of the movie, but you know just be like just remain strong and just get through it with a clear head, and then I guess come back to it with some um, with a shot of whiskey or a Cosmo, a mimosa or whatever you want to take with you, and maybe some gummies or some edibles or some weed, whatever one that you whatever you your um, heart desires, but. That is my review of Skinner Merink. Um, I can't think of anything else to say about it because like I said, you don't have character development. Um, you just know that weird shit is happening to these two kids and you have no idea as to where it came from, why it's there. Why is it um, taking away windows and doors? And um, you don't know if there's an outside forest, if it's a haunted spirit a haunted spirit, if it's a spirit haunting the house you don't get any of that. You don't know why it's set in 1995. You don't know why it's, um, maybe it's set back in 1995 because of the whole, you know, you have, if it was set in modern day time, you probably have, the kids would probably be, um, distracted with maybe, a, um, tablet or a phone or some gadget of sort, where they could just be oblivious to everything that goes on around them. And they not take, you know, a they're not attentive to, you know, the, the voice and all this stuff and whatnot. they might have headphones on, but who's to sit there and say that the, the, um, entity can't like make the Wi-Fi go out and they can't use the tablet, but you can still probably do shit offline with the tablet. So that's probably why they said it back in 1995, because when you just, when you take away today's technology and I know a lot of people don't, um, there's the, the young generation don't, have that luxury of, because it's really a luxury. Um, they don't have that luxury of knowing life without all this tech around us, and without all that tech. Um, this is I think this is why I gravitate more towards horror movies from the '90s and '80s and '70s because you just you're just uh, subjected to what's around you, and there's no distractions or whatnot, and it's just you know things coming out, literally coming out of the dark, things are coming out of the ground, out of the sky, out of the closet, out of the shadows, out of the mirror, you know, out of the, the water, you know, it's just stuff just coming for you everywhere, and now you're just a, you just, know, you you just got social media killers and stuff, and um, people who are trying to get you through the internet, and all this stuff, so, um, it was something that just popped in my mind that made me think of, um, of something else about the movie, I think um, it was the, the thought that the kid like poked itself in the eye with a knife and then called nine one one, and then the creature taking the little girl's uh, mouth and eyes and that was kind of creepy and then the splattering of the blood, the resplatter splattering of the blood and you don't know if that was like the creature playing with the kids or like torturing the kids or the family in general. And whatnot, but you did hear them scream in some instances, and you hear them talking regularly, like without crying or anything like that, or being scared, just following going along with the voice is doing. He was like, it was playing with time, and I think that's another, um, that's another um pro that it has over the Outwaters because they both movies play with time but I feel like skin ring played with time and you can kind of pick up that it's actually playing with time instead of, you know, the camera going out and picking up on in outwaters, all this time, disparity and stuff. Um, disc- um, discrepancies. And you don't know exactly what it means, um, uh, for the character and for the story and whatnot. And you can't pick out if this all happened, you know, you know, it's because you're all everything's happening through the camera on the Waters, and with skinner rings is a it's a i guess a, a technically a found footage film but it's like there's no um you're not looking through an actual camera that one of the characters or one of the kids is holding you're just watching things through strategically placed camera angles and whatnot to induce fear with to the viewer And one last thing, I think the reason why this is also affected because I had just recently watched a true crime um, story about a woman who was murdered in her house while her two young kids, I think one was like four and the other one was like two, were inside the house and they were in the house by themselves for like a long time until somebody came up the next. That's a long time, like I'm talking like days, but like you know by themselves for a child. Being a child of three and four, any child under the age of like 13 being in a house by themselves for a long amount of time is a problem. But, you know, more than an hour, more than five minutes by themselves is just, you know, with nobody to watch over them. And then they actually witness their mom getting killed. It's just the kid, it kind of like they probably, with the kids in Skinner Ring, probably shell shocked tried to deal with what was in front of them and that's why they were like I, at least kaylee had the sense to like block the door um to upstairs and um with the couch you know but little kevin was just oblivious to everything going on around him it was just you know oh the doors and the windows are disappearing the toilet is gone let's go downstairs and watch cartoons on the vhs and they kept falling asleep me if i was in this situation ain't no, ain't no way in hell i would have been able to sleep through all of it i would have ran the batteries on the flashlight out sitting in the corner facing everything around me but then again gas in the corner you might disappear in a minute because who knows what this damn thing had in mind but yeah so that was my review of of marine um uh, again i don't know what the hell happened um that it still is unsettling it's more unsettling than the outwaters however give it a watch just to say you watched it go watch the outwaters to say that you watched it and then you know also watch the outwaters um cut on card zero and file vl624 just to say you watch these movies when you get to the end of your year list and be like you know maybe it don't fall. Maybe it don't rest on your list. We do have, um, we haven't got to the middle of the year yet. So we haven't, um, gotten other movies like, you know, um, what they announced at CinemaCon: insidious five and, um, what else is supposed to be coming out this year? see. My mind's blank, but you know, we got a lot of extra hard shit coming out this year and maybe some stuff that you heard through the circuits, the um, film festival circuits is going on now my premiere later this year that you want to add onto your list or whatnot, but just, but I know that out of those, um, the jumping into 2023 skin rink and the outwaters was like everywhere on the horror blogs and the hard Twitter, horror Instagram, you know? And so just, just get, make it, I'm not making it your own, um, give it a peek for yourself. Um, just know that, if I had to join join a camp, it would probably be Camp Skimmerink. If I just had to pick between the two, um, the only thing I liked about the Outwaters were the um, the prequel card Zero, because I felt like you had more a more cohesive story and uh, the character development actually paid off and whatnot. However, I will say that. If you don't watch the Outwaters, then, of course, you're not going to know what the fuck is going on with Card Zero. So you have to watch the Outwaters to enjoy Car Zero. Um, maybe you wouldn't like Card Zero. You probably would like the Outwaters. You know, like I said, whatever's, whatever floats your boat. Um, but I don't see myself jumping back into Skimmer Rink um, anytime soon. Maybe if I'm asked to watch it again for another podcast or something like that, I'll give it another shot. But knowing what I know before going into it it might be one of those where I will kind of like my patience would probably run thin because I might fast forward through the damn movie to get to a certain plot point. You know, I don't know, but tell me what you thought. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Marco Estes, all one word and midnight social distortion, all one word. Midnight social distortion is my public profile. Marco Estes is my private profile. If you want to reach me on Marco Estes, just send me a message um, to that profile, tell me who you are, make sure you're not crazy, um, have something in your bio that I can go by instead of just emptiness because these scammers are getting ridiculous out here, y'all. I'm serious. Um, like I said, Midnight Social Distortion is the public profile. I'm trying to do better at updating it with comments. Like when people comment on stuff, I need I'm trying to be better at you know going over to their profile and commenting because when I share on Marco Estes I also share on midnight social Distortion most stuff that's hard not most of all stuff that's hard based is shared with both profiles but some stuff that I keep to myself like you know family photos and stuff like that of on, on my Marco Estes profile um, you can also email me at midnight social distortion at gmail.com and you can also find me on Twitter at The Anti-Critic. I am working on trying to uh, create a YouTube channel that will have not just reviews, but also um, dialogue with other hard crea- content creators. And also because I want to review my toy collection that is um, blowing up right now. And I want to get into like reviewing action figures and whatnot. And, you know, little trinkets that I might get through from NECA and stuff like that, that I find around the area. And yeah, I also want to, you know, continue to geek out about my hard t-shirt collection because, you know, you have people, you have your sneaker heads and whatnot and your um, shoe um, shoppers out there. And I treat my horror tees like I do, or rather my, all my graphic tees, like I do, like a like sneakers head treat their sneakers. Um, I There's a certain way I wash them. There's a certain way I dry them. There's a certain way I, I keep them all in alphabetical order, not alphabetical order, but by genre order, you know, superhero, horror. And then within the horror um, section of my t- graphic tees, I have them based on franchise. Like all my Nightmare on Elm Street shirts are together. Um, all my Halloween shirts are together. All the Friday the 13th shirts are together. Candyman shirts, Chucky shirts. All this stuff is like very meticulously placed in my closet. And yes, I have ACD on ACD, but, um, OCD when it comes to my hard tees. And I want to share that with the world, you know, on YouTube. So uh, you can... I give out information about that. And like I said, by the time you hear this episode, um, my appearance on Rise from the Dead featuring Ashley Caldwell and Jeremy Scott will be dropping Monday, May 1st. And we'll be discussing um, Dream Home from 2010. You need to watch that movie. And also, if you didn't catch me on The Evil Tyrone on YouTube, I was uh, featured on the panel where we discussed the Evil Dead franchise. And that's a good romp with me, Girl That's Scary, um, Michael Brown, and um, R.C. Gould, and Tyrone. We had a good conversation. That was on, we did that live on Friday, uh, which was the 28th, and we are, um, and it's now available to watch on the YouTube channel. You should subscribe to both Rise From The Dead, and, um, Tyrone's the evil Tyrone, uh, on, and it's the evil, like E V O L not E V I L E V O L, um, Tyrone on, um, in on, uh, shit, sorry, YouTube and, this weekend coming up on the 6th, I will be doing a CNP, um, which is the counter near the project summit panel about queer black characters in horror. And it's going to be mostly about horror movies, but I'm going to include um, aspects of um, horror television and horror literature uh, because I'm pretty sure there's a lot of black queer characters, and a lot of horror literature, but I haven't read everything, horror lit, everything horror lit. I've only read about, black queer hard characters and a few books that i you know like the the taking of jake livingston um you know uh the one i'm reading right now called blood debts by uh I, I can't i think his name is terry benton walker um i could be wrong but uh and also the taking of jake livingston is about uh is by ryan douglas and that's with two s's so i will be including those into the chatter especially also um ryan kenny you know brother ghoulish i will be including his um short story collection there's something wrong in morrington county in that um in that session i don't know if you'll be able to watch it though i know that you have to sign up for the summit and i don't know if you have to pay for it but i signed up for it but i'm a presenter so i get in free i guess and i'll be doing it virtually so because the summit takes place in atlanta And I think most of, if not a majority of the panel, I don't know if all, if not majority of the panels are going to be virtual. Um, But I know the summit is going to be the Saturday and the Sunday, the 6th and 7th. And I believe it starts at 11 a.m. Eastern time, which is 10 a.m. Central and maybe 8 a.m. Pacific. So, Um, yeah, that's what's coming up for me. And like I said, my 23 days to 40 and then the 40th anniversary, 40th year of of life on this earth celebration going on for a year. So that's what I have for you right now. Um, stay tuned for more, you know, pride is coming up and I hope to have some stuff lined up for that. And yeah so you guys be careful Out there in this world And peace until next time See ya